from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Butler whips it out to the right wing. Flagler's three drops. Defense turns to offense. The three stretches the lead to 16. Everything Baylor throws toward the rim seemingly is going in. Long pass ahead. Ayayi in traffic gets it, gives to Timmy. Timmy driving down the lane, feeds it to Suggs, crashing for right side. Count the bucket and a foul. Jalen Suggs heading over to the Gonzaga fans to let him know they're not done yet. Patterson will put the brakes on and dribble this one out. And the Baylor Bears do indeed bear down to knock off the unbeaten Gonzaga Bulldogs and claim the school's first men's basketball championship. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Baylor wins it. What was Nance's line? Rebuild, rebound, or rebound, rebuild. Remember, uh, things were horrific at Baylor. Nance, of course, on TV. That was Kevin Kugler on Westwood One. You heard that right here on ESPN Las Vegas. But the Baylor story is very intriguing. We'll get into that. Also, Morgan Gonzaga, we just had Sam Paniotovich basically throwing up his hands. He's our gambling expert saying, you know, if Gonzaga didn't win it this year, when are they going to win it? Uh, they're the favorite to win next year. We'll, we'll get into Gonzaga and this so many phony narratives out there and, and again like i know people probably get tired of us you know pointing our finger at casuals because we love college basketball but if you're going to speak on a subject like be somewhat educated and the same stuff keeps coming out and you really the casuals really came out last night and the stupidity of college basketball and college football where it's like if you got to play in a real conference to win a national championship like stop going through the grind doesn't make you uh, any more ready you either have the team and the talent or you don't you either have the coaching uh, or you don't. Gonzaga is on the edge of winning a national championship just because Baylor got to play intense games against Iowa State didn't prep the Bears uh, better to win a national title. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. No more yelling. No more getting worked up. We'll see. No more anger. Be polite. Be appreciative of what you have. Because, you know, most of it was taken away for a lot of you folks the last 13 months. A lot of people lost their jobs. They lost their homes. It was rough. They lost things mentally. And I don't mean that like I'm not calling you crazy, but it was rough. So, Adam, does that mean that as we come out of the pandemic, things feel a little bit safer? We got the warm weather that Americans are going to be more civil and they're going to be nice to each other. Sorry, I couldn't. <laughs> Shouldn't that be the case? Shouldn't that be the case? If if you were angry about being locked down, wearing your mask, that means you're a gregarious person. That means you you need human interaction. So why wouldn't your interaction now be improved and nicer than it was before the pandemic? Just that's just not our nature. Like I think it's this kind of thing we would say, right? That we would do, like, oh man, you know, when we get back out there and we're part of society again, I'm gonna be nice. I, I remember after, oh, this is dating me, uh, but I remember after 9/11, it was the same. It was like, you know what? We just 
all these like small differences we have with each other, they're meaningless. We're all we're in this, we're in this together. We're in this together. It uh, it was like you know three days later, people were cutting each other off in traffic and honking the horn again. Like it, 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 society has a way of healing back to the norm. Let's start with the easy things, just basic courtesy. When it comes to parking your car. Kevin Mawai, the former NFL player, played at LSU, got me thinking about this because he sent out a tweet today, and I noticed that uh, Coach Baker over at Liberty had made a comment on it. And Kevin Mawai gets a picture of a pickup truck parked in two spots, but not just parked like over the line, parked diagonally in two spots. And Mawai says, why? A lot of people think it's okay in a parking lot. I have the same size truck, and I have no problem parking between the lines. Because they're not – like, this person didn't try to. It's no. not like this person just did a bad parking job. This person decided, I'm taking two spots, and I'm going to park diagonally and do it where it's the most inconvenient spot possible right by the carts so that everybody has to deal with my stupid truck. Like, right? I mean, I mean, there's, is there any other way to describe, like, what's the what's the reasoning? It's a hundred percent f you. I don't care about anyone else. Of course, it, the, the, and and my my life is much more important than yours. My possessions are much more important than yours. My time is more important than yours. I'll do what I do. I I, I don't know if you were listening to our podcast last night. And I told the story about somebody cutting me off in the coffee line the other day. Oh really? Oh yeah. So there's it's a double line. Yeah. So there's two, and then you just merge, right? It's like a zipper. You go, you go, you go, you go. Uh, I hate, I, I hate the zipper. I hate the zipper at the bank. Of course, but I hate somebody, all, I, I avoid the zipper. No zipper. Zippers out. No somebody zipper. decided they're gonna they're gonna cut me off. They're they're gonna go in front of me. Two cars are gonna go from the left side before I go from the right side. Yep. Okay. Fine. You did it. Way to go. They ordered Steve nine coffees that's awesome nine like if you're gonna cut somebody off one limit one like but but th- that's that's it like this person i'm not waiting for anybody i'm passing you and i'm gonna order my nine and i'm like as soon as they order and, and this is a place you can't go into it's, it's only drive through right as soon as they went in there like and i see them start the before they get any drinks they're passing out the trays to the car and i was like all right this is ridiculous but that is this person that person that does that is the person that goes and parks however they want, wherever they want. If you're going to park in, in two spots like this, and I think I've seen you do it, you park it's, you park in the farthest row. Wait, wait, you seen, you seen me do it? I've seen you park way far away from everybody. I don't park in two spots. I will still park between the lines, but I don't park near anyone. Right, you believe me, the, every time I go out with the SO, she's like, do we really have to walk all that distance? I'm like, yep. And I always use the line. I'm like, I need exercise, but it's more, more like more important to me is not coming out and having someone like, you know, ding up my car. I park, I park in the corner of the lot, and of course, there's always some jabroni who knows, you know, hey, I'm gonna go right next to him just to bust her chops. I know what they were trying to do. Get out of here. Of course. Number four. Back on the right track. We think six-one victory for the Vegas Golden Knights. Robin Leonard. That feels good, right? This is quite the run here. Nice job for Robin Leonard. And good news on the horizon, right? With Stevenson? Yeah, he's back. He did his uh, three-game suspension. 
And uh, so he'll be back in the lineup. That's a, a big lift uh, for the offense, although yesterday they kind of lifted themselves on their own after a few games of really struggling to score anything, scoring those six goals. Uh, defensemen get involved. Uh, the, the bottom six get involved. I think that was a, a very encouraging sign for a Golden Knights team that was starting to get very frustrated uh, with where their offensive production was. Uh, but I was just doing the math as we were uh, talking during about the uh, the parking situation. Um, Leonard has been back four or five games uh, since he returned from his concussion. He's played in five games. He is 4-0-1 with that loss coming in the shootout the other day. Uh, 4-0-1 has 128 saves on 135 shots. That is good for a 948 save percentage. He is playing out of his mind which is a, uh, a really good sign right now as uh, as Flurry continues to struggle, although his last game uh, was pretty good. But uh, I think the Golden Knights are at the point in the season where they're like, okay, uh, you know, we've got Leonard operating at his maximum potential. Flurry may be going through a little bit of down downslide, but he'll probably be back uh, playing maybe not as well as he was early in the season, which is about the Leonard's playing level the Leonard is playing at now. Uh, but Flurry will be fine. Leonard's playing at an elite level. And uh, this is kind of the vision they had when they decided to keep two goalies. Number three. Sam Darnold gone from the Jets. Second, fourth, and sixth. The second and the fourth are in next year's draft. The Panthers pick him up. So I suppose Panthers are committed to him for at least a couple years as a franchise quarterback. Matt Rule, I think he's a pretty solid coach. There's some weapons down in Carolina. It's a good atmosphere. They got a good owner. You don't have to deal with the New York media. Right? That's a good thing. That's a pain in the ass. Uh, Sam Darnold, you think sad that he's leaving the Mecca? I mean, he's not going to be in New York. I mean, wait, wait. everywhere else pales in comparison to achieving in New York. Come on. Steve, Steve, did you throw a party yesterday that the Jets have rid of themselves of Sam Darnold? No, I was unhappy. I, I don't like the whole Sam Darnold era. I feel like that was a wasted pick. They didn't build a team around him. There should be a lesson to any, any franchise in the NFL. If you're going to invest in a quarterback – uh, using a top 10 pick, you got to do all you can to make sure the guy's got weapons and give him the best shot possible. So you may not have had a party, but Sam Darnold had a party. What? It wasn't, it wasn't like a raging, like a, you know, out of control party, but definitely had some folks over. There was balloons. Well, I'm a Jets fan and I am mad. I hate Sam Darnold. Celebrating. Pan- Panthers colored balloons. The, uh, oh, is that right? Okay. The blue and white. There were some dark blue, some light blue. Uh, yeah. very, very festive atmosphere for Sam Darnold, who gets to party with friends and family because he's ridded himself of the Jets and that albatross that they put around her neck. Uh, and more importantly, I think, ridded himself of Adam Gase. Yeah. I don't blame him for one second. It was, uh, he was, he was treated unfairly in terms of, uh, listen, he made a lot of mistakes too, and he hasn't progressed the way he should, but, uh, he didn't have the line that he needed. He didn't have the weapons. Uh, he certainly didn't have the coaching. Adam Gase is a substandard guy. Uh, should not be a coordinator or a head coach at, I was going to say, at any level, uh, maybe in college. But in the NFL, he he's a position coach uh, at max. And, you know, unfortunately, Darnold had to deal with that, and now he gets a second chance. So that that part is fortunate. Number two. So UNLV is practicing in the spring, and uh, Marcus Arroyo really didn't get to install much of what he wanted to in terms of culture, and he talks about that a lot. So I thought it was interesting when I was out there uh, talking to Marcus Arroyo, who's the UNLV football head coach, since he does talk about culture so much, we just saw two cultures go head-to-head last night. And this is why they're good basketball programs. You build something, right? Gonzaga's had a, a 20-year run here of success. 
Scott Drew basically has had what now after the rebuild because he came in there and there was nothing there. The, the entire program was raised. Uh, he's had about a 14 or 15 year run and it's all about, you know, culture and getting old together. And uh, I threw that question out, probably repeat the question here with Marcus Arroyo. Did you watch a basketball game last night? I the did. National championship? I did. Can you talk about program building and the way those two programs, you know, especially Baylor, trying to grow old yeah. together. They have some transfers, but they look like the bigger, stronger team, and I would assume there's some connection there between trying to build a football team. Yeah, there is. I think I think that I, I try to look at that stuff uh, probably in the way you're asking. I think that there's a lot. I use a lot of the analogies in anything that's going on with our guys. I think for, for, for sports, I've used – I used the conversation that, that Cronin had in the Elite Eight uh, about winners. I used the one about Juwan Howard's team in the last seven and eight shots, you know, and, and I used, you know, this one with Baylor and, and, and Mark Few and Gonzaga. I mean, two great examples of of teams and, and coaches who've really built the thing the right way, you know, and they've they've really rolled their sleeves up. Obviously, Gonzaga's done it for, for, for a long time, a long time, and, and they're they're a perfect example to all of us coaches that really look at the, the inside out is, is a culture, you know, and the way they go about it. Um, they, there's no bend, there's no break. They have a great culture. He goes about things the right way, and, and you can see their players play that way. Very fundamental. Uh, the ebbs and flow of the games don't really get to them, you know, and they work really well together. And then you watch a team like Baylor build it and what they've done and how they've bounced back in their program and what Coach did and, and the investment they made. It's probably a big thing that we want to look at, the commitment they've made and the commitment when your team's, you know, or a program or your culture, wherever you're at, uh, needs some growth internally. That that's not a that's not a convenient commitment, and and I think that that's a big thing. I mentioned when I first got here, the the commitment to do this and to do that stadium and to pull together the city in a time when they've never been done here is not convenient. That commitment was recognizable to me, and that's why we got here. And I think that um, I, I've been excited about watching teams like that. I'll use that example with Baylor and what they've done. But you see the athleticism, you see the strength, you see the ability of teams play together. Um, they all they played their game too, you know. And I think that. Uh, it was really good to see. This was a, a really interesting, you know, tournament basketball tournament, from my opinion, from a coaching aspect. There you go, Marcus Arroyo, the UNLV football coach, talking about what he could wean from the NCAA tournament, and especially Baylor and Gonzaga. You get some of the stuff he was talking about with the uh, the ebb and flow of a game and Gonzaga. Listen, they couldn't come back. They didn't win the game, but I didn't think they looked freaked out or panicked at any point. And uh, the other big thing, and this is at most schools that win, there is an investment from a time and a financial standpoint. If you're going to be big time, there's got to be money behind the whole deal. And there's got to be facilities that are completely up to snuff, if not ahead of the curve. Yeah, I think that's the the buy-in uh, that he's talking about, not only from the athletes and the players and the coaches, from the administration, from the community. Uh, everybody's got to be bought in and on the same page to make successful uh, programs happen, uh, regardless of the sport in, in college athletics. So uh, that makes sense. And I think from a standpoint of he said he tries to take any – you know, sporting event that's going on or major sport that's happening and, you know, kind of take something from what they do. And in this case of the tournament, he said there was the the McCronin, uh, the speech to his team, the Juwan Howard and what he told his team when they missed, you know, the final seven shots of the game and couldn't uh, find a way to win it at the end. Uh, you take those lessons other coaches talk about and some of the things that they say and play those for your players too and, and make them understand, uh, you know, certain aspects of winning and losing and building a culture and everything else that they want to do. Number one. Gonzaga loses. They suck. The West Coast Conference blows. Mark Few is never going to win a title. They're a fraud. Okay, I guess we can move on. Yeah. All stuff we heard last night, completely ridiculous. And I don't want to sit here and have to defend Gonzaga over and over and over again, but it's really uneducated. It's dumb. 
Uh, Baylor is not an all-time team. They're a good team. Gonzaga is just as good. You and I agreed if they played a seven-game series starting out, Baylor won nothing right now. You know, next game is tonight or tomorrow. Gonzaga would have a very good chance to push it to seven, if not win the series. I think that's shocking to a lot of people. If they played again um, a week from now, Adam, in a one-off, what would the line be? What would the betting line be? They lost by 16 last night, Gonzaga. I mean, they got to be getting, what, eight? I think Gonzaga three, three and a half. Gonzaga would still be favored. Yeah, I think so. No, maybe not. Again, the market would change a lot of that. There would be people right. that would just automatically bet Baylor. Uh, but, I, I mean, they're still uh, – last I saw it, I didn't see it updated. I can uh, grab it real quick. I, As far as I know, Baylor – excuse me, uh, Gonzaga still stayed number one uh, in Ken Palm. But they had a massive lead going into the game. Yeah, they still have uh, pretty sizable – now, it went down from about a 5.6 edge on Ken Palm to – about a 2.5 edge, so it dropped significantly. But Gonzaga still, still ahead. Gonzaga still favored. Uh, they'd be predicted to win uh, in that particular computer, which is very closely aligned with how the odds are set up. Um, yeah, I think the market might di- might dictate that Baylor has to be a favorite. But if, but true true odds, Gonzaga would still be favored in the game uh, because they have a better body of work for the entire season. Yeah, there are so many people who rush the social media to react to Gonzaga having a tough time in the game and losing. Um, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I saw our buddy Vinny over on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 who basically was like, Big 12, Big 12, Big 12. Gonzaga hadn't faced a team like this the entire year. They did. Baylor was the better team on the night. I think Baylor's probably the better team for the season. I think Gonzaga is right there with them. Um, Baylor didn't sweep Kansas. They split with them. Uh Gonzaga handled Kansas pretty easily. Gonzaga also handled Iowa easily, West Virginia easily, Virginia easily. So this this wasn't a fraud. You don't make it to the national championship game if you're a fraud and do it twice in four years if you're a fraud. I asked people before the break, go look up the all-time coaches and see how many national titles have actually won. It is really hard. Like I was actually shocked when I looked up Roy Williams' numbers uh, the other day when he retired, and you see national championships. And he's got three. And I'm like, oh, that's right. They were all at North Carolina. That guy went like 418 and 111 at Kansas. He didn't. He never won a national title. Now he had two runner-ups. Ooh, sounds like Mark Few, right? And then eventually he broke through and he got three. But would you have ever thought that that uh, Roy Williams didn't win a title at Kansas? No, that's crazy. I mean, every year they were 35 and three. And you, you heard the same thing, and you heard the same thing about his mentor. You heard the same thing about his mentor and Dean Smith. Can't win the big one. You know, the, the guy's going like 27 years to start coaching. He's got one title. Like, what, what's going on here? You're North Carolina. Yeah. And make no mistake about it, Gonzaga is North Carolina. Gonzaga is Kansas. Gonzaga is probably landing the number one player in the country in Chet Holmgren out of Minnesota. They landed the number six player out of uh, Omaha, Nebraska, over North Carolina. They're in on Walker Kessler. His dad, Alec, played at Georgia. Walker Kessler just transferred from North Carolina. That kid is from the southeast part of the United States. How is he going to land in Gonzaga? It might happen. So this train is going to continue to roll down the tracks. They're the favorite next year. And and one more thing, for Stuart Mandel, and listen, I don't – if I sat here and I made, like, all these crazy proclamations about the NHL, you'd be like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. So I don't. I don't make crazy proclamations about sports that I don't cover and I don't have any expertise in. 
when I saw Stewart, who's a college football guy, say, I do feel bad for Mark Few, one of the best programs in the country for 20 years, to come so close twice now. Who knows if and when he'll have another team like this. And, like, the entire internet was like, next year, they're a blue blood. They're Goliath. They're not going anywhere. This wasn't freaking, he built it for seven years, and they make an appearance and disappear for 16. Like, what are you, nuts? Come on. Number one, number one team in the country, favored to win it again next year. It's just it's baffling of of the amount of people that just don't actually pay attention uh, until there's you know the final four until the tournament and that's the only thing they've watched all year and then they can make these blanket proclamations. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers five seven zero nine thousand. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. So how annoying has my Gonzaga defense been over the last four hours? Probably pretty annoying to people who don't follow college basketball. And sounds like I'm some sort of Gonzaga fan. I really don't care. I don't. I don't like Gonzaga. So I, I think they're no different than Duke. I don't like Duke. I don't like Kansas. I don't like the Blue Bloods. If you're a UNLV fan, you certainly don't like Duke. Gonzaga is that level program. They just are. And they're going to be good in the future. This is not going to stop unless few leaves. And then it turns out to be a one-coach program. They're well-funded. They're well-backed. Uh, you know, they have, they've got a, an arena that's been, you know, it's pretty new. They're top-notch. And listen, they have an NBA player on the roster. Adam, he, he was the best player on the floor last night, right? He got taken out of the game a little bit because of fouls. Yep. But to me, he, uh, okay, I'll say this. He's the best NBA prospect on the floor. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I don't, Suggs, Suggs is awesome. He's awesome. And, you know, Drew Timmy as a college player uh, on his own team is really, really good. I think uh, I think Drew Timmy will be an NBA player. I don't – he's certainly far from a finished product. Uh, again, folks, Drew Timmy is not some guy who is like hardworking, you know, Canadian, Northwest kid. He was a top five player in Texas. Everyone in Texas wanted him. He was a top 50 recruit. He was an elite guy. Those are the guys they land now at Gonzaga. Julian Strother here from Vegas was part of a class with Suggs and two other top 75 guys. Now, I would, I might argue, and I didn't watch Gonzaga enough, you know, game to game to know why he few decided not really to go very deep on his bench. But they're loaded, and they've got more oh. players coming in. And here's the thing. Really, this this Gonzaga defense is pointed towards fans of the Mountain West Conference, but especially fans of UNLV, who so often want to throw their hands up and are like, it's not possible. It's possible. This is the new era of college basketball. There are going to be more outliers like UNLV was in the 90s, late 80s, and UNLV was, had a longer run than that. But there's going to be more Gonzagas and Wichita's and Butler's the ability to win against the big boys is getting better and better and better. And here, here's the other thing. We're also going to see a changing of the guard. So some of the legendary coaches, we don't know what's coming after them. Hubert Davis has the resume. I have no idea if Hubert Davis, like you hear all the time. And I remember, I remember hearing this because I'm old enough. When Dean Smith went goodbye, right? And they gave the job to Bill Guthridge and Matt Doherty. And it's like, that school recruits itself. There is no such thing as that school recruits itself. Because Kentucky had a lot of down years, and the school wasn't recruiting itself. You still have to have a good coach. 
Adam. So you have generational coaches here, about five more of them. You know, what Roy Williams just walked away. Lon Kruger just walked away. You got like five more guys who are going to walk away at, at, you know, high-level programs. We don't know what's going to happen to those programs. So I'm excited for college basketball in the future, and I think I don't really – I don't consider Baylor – you know, a, they're not a traditional blue blood just like Gonzaga isn't. But they're getting close to blue bloods now. The fact that Baylor's and Gonzaga's and Houston's are involved in the Final Four is massive, and I think it gives great hope to mid-majors, and it gives great hope to teams in the Mountain West Conference, and especially UNLV. If you do it right, you land you know, a couple of you know, real big-time players. You build the program with some experienced guys. You can win at a high level. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, and and it's, it's the right coach. It's the right you know, mix of the athletic department. Even on the other side of Baylor is you know, a major conference. We kind of look at them as a blue blood now. They're in that realm. But like, look up until when you know the program basically went away. But all the years before that, they had won three tournament games in their history. They're and, in they're in Waco. Yeah, Do you yep. know what a hellhole Waco is to the rest of the country. Awful. And they're winning there. You can win anywhere with the right leadership and and good players. On the way back, we'll get to the title odds, and then I do want Adam's take on. Uh, we'll get to the baseball schedule, but also what Major League Baseball did because man. Baseball is getting a lot of pushback on moving the All-Star game, and now it's gone from Atlanta and Georgia to Denver and Colorado, so now it's a war between those states. Funny times we're living in, baby. Crazy time. (laughs) What did you think about that Cofield and Company take? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100 now. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio. You know, we forgot to mention the other cool thing, Adam. And by the way, the phones are open, 364-1100, if you want to get in on some college basketball talk. We were talking about uh, Gonzaga and a lot of people saying they're a fraud and Baylor being one of the best teams of all time. Uh, Stop with that. UNLV is one of the best teams of all time, 90 and 91. And those teams last night are very good, and they may be some of the best of the 21st century. They don't hold a candle to the UNLV team that uh, was upset by Duke and freaking destroyed Duke by 30 in the national title game. Adam, one thing we didn't mention is, uh, what did I just gaff? What did I just do? No, you didn't. I, I mean, I would, Baylor would beat that team, but as compared to the rest of the teams in their, you know, in their mix, UNLV was head and shoulders above those teams. And Baylor is not that same distance from the field. Uh, we have not brought up JTT. That was cool to see, uh, Jonathan, cool. Chachua, uh, who was with Marvin Menzies as a freshman, Looked like a real building block, and then as soon as Marvin was fired, uh, I think JTT might have been the first guy who was gone. And you knew when Baylor came calling, you're like, "Oh, okay, this guy's gonna be a good player." If Baylor wants yeah. him that badly, and they're taking him, you know, from the transfer portal like that, he's gonna be good. And uh, they got a, he did a great job last night. And you know that that was a big part of what Baylor did to uh, Gonzaga and the fact that they were able to muscle around Drew Timmy. And I hope it's a wake up call to Timmy. That, uh, yeah, he needs to muscle up a little bit. Got to get a little more physical. The NBA is filled with men. And in the case of JTT, you met someone who was 6'8", 250. And not the Thamba's a small guy. And then the other the other kid, uh, Vital, uh, you know, I, I by the way, I loved him. First of all, I love the those those shorter guys, the undersized bigs, the 6'6", 250 guys. Awesome, right? Because they know their role. Um, but the fact that he started lifting his shirt up after the game to dry his face. And I'm like, oh, there you go. A little soft belly. It's awesome. But here's the thing. When when Timmy tried to bounce off those guys, he went the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean the the you know, the uh 
the fake Mo Bamba, which is I still don't believe Flo Thamba is a real person. I, I feel like he rhymes just... with that'll be the best <laughs> rhymes with ever when we talk about Flo Thamba. Rhymes yeah. with Mo Bamba. Wait, what? Yeah. He's just Mo Thamba. I, I saw somebody say it was just Mo Bamba dressed up in costume to try to get extra eligibility, and he's like, "What's your name, Flo Thamba?" Uh, but no, when you have the, the big guys like that and, and uh, JTT, like they're just they're so strong, and they're they're just so physical in the paint uh that it does become difficult to kind of deal with them and and like you know you talk about big guys being just just fouls like they're just human fouls they were a little bit to some degree i mean both got in foul trouble both used their fouls but they used them aggressively in a way to kind of uh exert their physicality uh and also to just kind of send messages in the paint uh quite often that you know timmy's not just going to be able to go to the rim and, and get everything easily they're going to they're going to be physical with them and some were called and some weren't called but uh, they were aggressive all the time, and they didn't mind it because they've got depth and and size. And uh, also, thanks to JTT for not shooting more because I did have the under six and a half points prop. And uh, if he would have <laughs> shot any more, he would have scored seventy five percent from the field, but only four shots. Yeah, he missed. Um, he got he had an in between shot right in front of the free throw line and tried to throw up a one hander from like eleven feet. They came yeah. up short. So you made out on that one, but he was he's a nice kid. Uh, you know, I only got to cover him for a year, but I, I was telling you the story on. Uh, and I'll tell it to the audience on on a team flight. Um, it was after a game, and JTT had his uh, his knee was iced up. You know, he, he banged his knee or something. And you know, the the uh, the plane they take it's a smaller plane. These guys are gigantic, right? So it's hard to fit into the plane anyway. And the way the the, the charter uh, is set up, there's a, there's a row of you know one one seat on one side, and then the the two seats. Um, and I I can't remember. I think the preferred one would be on to be on the single seat side. And uh, JTT wanted one of the single seats. He's like, my knee. And uh, one of the veteran big men was like, nah, I'm not going to move. Like, who never played? And instead of, like, if I were JTT, I would just, I would probably just ride the guy until I just started raining punches on him. And JTT was like, all right, he's older. You know, just kind of shook his head at him like, you're a clown. I'm just going to go, you know, sit down. I'll show you respect. But, uh, like, even that little moment, I was like, okay, that kid gets it. You don't want to call the guy out? You can call him out. It was it was Georgie Slavonchinin. It was freaking Georgie, and Georgie was like, "No, I'm not moving. You know, I'm an upper class. Like Georgie, you don't play, okay? The guy who plays has ice in his knee. Move, so he's more comfortable." But just uh, watching the way, you know, just it, just watching the way JTT carried himself, I'm like, okay, that that's a dude. Uh, you know, he's mature beyond his years. Smart move. He understands the hierarchy of a locker room. The veterans get preference uh, in the locker room, at the hotel, and on the plane. He gets yeah. it. Uh, John wants in on the college basketball talk, 364-1100, What's up, John? Hey, Steve. Hey, I don't know this exactly. College, well, it is college basketball talk. Hey, this uh, NCAA, there's, uh, there's one thing missing, and all I can describe it is this, that there's that warm peach fuzz mammalian feel that we always used to have that was kind of lacking. I hope that comes back sometime soon, and that's, that's, about, that's, that's it. That's all I have to say for right now. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, right? No, I have no idea. Explain and try to do it in clean fashion okay. before Army's eyes pop our, out. Okay, our ambassador at springtime, the ladies, and I miss them. Spring break, right. everything. It's, it's, uh, That's what's missing? Yeah, I, I miss it for March Madness, yeah. <laughs> all right, John. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Thank you. He misses college for the peach fuzz? Is that what he's saying? 
Or he, I don't I don't know what the hell he's talking about. By the way, just never never mind. It's fine. when people often times when people ask me, like, why don't we take callers that often? Don't ask. Baseball. Uh, <laughs> your judgment on what Major League Baseball did with the All-Star game. So I'm still not comfortable with it. I understand the message they were trying to send. I don't think it was executed very well. Yeah, I'm I'm not really either. Um and, and I you know, I think people may be surprised to hear. Like I think people think, you know, would would say, well, politically, this is how you would line up, but I I don't I have a problem um with how we're gonna determine what, you know, what is political enough to say, hey, this issue, we don't like your stance on this issue, we're gonna not Hold events I mean, in your in your jurisdiction. Right. I will say, like to me, I know this has become political. This this I mean, obviously, people like, are like, like like everything. Sure, everything becomes political all the time. To me, there is an easy case here to say this is not a political issue. This is if you are a state that restricts access to voting. Either way, if if the liberals in your state do it. Or if the conservatives in your state do it, if you restrict access to voting, we will, you know, move to not hold certain events in your jurisdiction, in your state. But, but here's the thing: where, where's the, where does it stop? Exactly. Where because does it I, stop? I, that's here, here, why, no, let that's me, let me give I, you an I, example. I, okay. Let me give you an example. Um, there's a mass shooting two weeks from now, right? Twelve people are slaughtered. Lauren Bobert, whatever her name is comes out with like just a bevy of automatic weapons and it's just like shooting in the air, you know, guns rights. We're going to move the all-star game again. I'm offended. Well, I'm offended. Against- I'm offended by this Colorado politician. Get it out of there. And that's why, we, that's we, why I just we said we could do this to just about every state and, that, and go and go partisan politics on a myriad of issues. That's what I said. If you, that's why I, I'm not comfortable with it. If it's political issues, I think you need to be very specific and say it's this is about access to voting and it's about voting rights. And if you infringe, if you infringe and, and you know, decrease the amount of access people have to voting, that's not a political issue. It's become a political issue. I get that. I understand that. But it's it should not be a political issue. And you just say if your state makes laws to infringe upon the right to vote and limit access to voting, then this can happen and make it, make sure it's not, so it's not a political thing. It's not a, Hey, if you're, if your state is passing, you know, conservative laws, or if your state is passing liberal laws, we're not going to come there. I don't like that. I think that's a slippery slope and I don't like the all-star game thing because it does create a slippery slope, but I think you can, you can definitely limit it and say, it's just about restricting rights to voting. And it's not about political decisions. It's not about political issues. It's I mean, you can, just this. Yeah, you can say it's just this, and then people will fire back and go, what are you talking about, restrict? They open things up. So it then is. it turns into a debate. Well, that's your take, but there are other people who are like, hey, they actually open things up. So I did. I think baseball getting involved is dangerous. There's lots of possibilities where people can call them on the carpet, and to sure. me, you stay there, and then what you do is you actually get on the side. If you believe that voting is restricted in the state of Georgia, you do what you can to get involved in grassroots as a sport with the Atlanta Braves and try to help the cause 
or, or push back on voter restriction. You stay there and you help the effort. You help huh. to enlighten people. Maybe you can force change in the state by leaving. Now you've just played into the hands of you know party politics. I, I agree with you, but I mean, it's done. Like there's no there's no rallying against it. Like it's done. Now now you've now you've restricted the right to vote, and now you're not going to be able to win elections because of what they've done. So it does become more difficult now. I I I understand. Believe me, I understand what you're saying. I don't like this. I'm not supportive of this decision because not only does it create a slippery slope but you're also and and joe biden talked about this today during during his uh press conference you're also which you're not punishing the legislature in georgia you're not punishing the governor of georgia you're punishing workers who are going to be able to work this game and people who are going to make money in small businesses and that's what you're doing so i don't like this decision at all but like to your point of hey the way you beat this is to get out and organize and vote. They've made it harder to do that. Like that's exactly what they're trying to stop you from doing. That's why I, I kind of understand. Like, hey, listen, we can. You can say this is if you say it's just about restricting rights to vote and restricting access to voting, and it's not about political issues, and we're not going to make decisions like this based on political issues. Then I I think it's a little bit more palatable and acceptable. But again, you're not punishing. You're not punishing the state. You're not punishing the politicians. You're punishing the people. And that sucks. There has to be different ways to go about this. But also, do not do this about passing laws. Do not do this about you know conservative or liberal politics or one side or the other. I, I think you, you have a message of just about, hey, if you are a state that restricts instead of encourages people to vote, these things could happen. Don't let these laws be passed. Okay. But, man, it's become political. People have made it political, and once you start doing this for political reasons, it becomes very, very dangerous. Want more Cofield and Company? The guys are back with their late-night pod tonight at 10.30. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Adam, we were talking about uh, the narrative that was out last night and today that, you know, Gonzaga is a fraud, West Coast Conference, you can't win a national title. Uh, funny, they've made it through the tournament two of the last four years that they had tournaments and were runner-ups. They made it to the final and they've been in the uh, Sweet 16, I think, five of the the last five tournaments because obviously last year's tournament was canceled. All this, um, hey, they're not legit, they're frauds. Let's see what happens on November 26th, Black Friday here in Las Vegas. You know what is going down in Vegas? In November, right? Tournaments. Duke and Gonzaga at the Fortress. So I would assume Duke's going to beat him. Or I would expect Duke to be about an eight-point dog and potentially get their teeth kicked in. (laughs) Well, it's a blue blood against the rebuilding program, Steve. Sure. Yes, a a program that uh, will be fortunate to get back to this moment ever again. Poor Mark Few. Uh, I was thinking Duke. Duke will be fortunate to get back to this level. We'll see. He's got a uh, he's got a big time recruiting class coming in, and it is interesting between recruiting high school kids and especially the portal. Boy, there are some coaches out there, especially some of the older guys who seemed a little frustrated during the year, who have hit the portal pretty hard. I don't know what's going on there, huh? A little new sense of urgency. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we know that this is going to be a year of great movement. Uh, and, and guys being able to go wherever they want without having to serve any penalty and guys coming back for 
extra senior year, super seniors, that sort of thing. Uh, there's going to be a lot of movement. I think a lot of coaches are saying, all right, well, if there's going to be movement, uh, we're going to be taking advantage of that, and we're going to grab everybody that we possibly can. So I think people are going to be very, very aggressive. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Did you say everything you needed to say on the All-Star game? I think so. Okay. I think it'll be really interesting to follow as people now pit Georgia and Colorado against each other. Yeah. And now people are going to dive deep into Colorado and its election laws and availability for voters. I think they're going to find some flaws. Uh, and I don't think for one second that baseball thought this would be coming. And that's the problem with baseball is that they didn't even think about it ahead of time that you're now opening this discussion, you know, state versus state and this deep dive on an issue that I, I think they knee jerk reacted to it. Um, I got one more thing to close out on. Stick your hand in there, Dave. <sighs> do we go here or do we just end it? Uh, I guess we probably, since you set it up, we should go there. Nope. I'm going to do it on the podcast tonight. All right. Maybe you can well, be part of the podcast. I will, very quick, I will very quickly say uh, Daniel yeah. Dale just did a uh, – Daniel Dale, if you go follow him, Dale 8 on Twitter, just did a brilliant job telling all the people that have tried to compare Georgia and Colorado that you're ignorant and haven't read a thing. So yeah. <laughs> go, go read his thread about that. If, uh, if uh, where I'm going to go tonight is the firing of Paul Pierce. Okay. Which people who love to talk about cancel culture – this would be a great story to talk when we talk about people being canceled. But I'm noticing the same crowd that is fighting for justice and to crush the woke crowd and all their canceling. Where are they on Paul Pierce? <laughs> where Where is the Gina Carano crowd? Disney? Gina Carano? Paul Pierce? Disney? Where's that crowd stepping up for Paul Pierce? Crickets. Weird, right? Weird. Great job by Ari. Awesome guest today. Check out the archives at lvsportsnetwork.com. The newly redesigned lvsportsnetwork.com.